0: Good morning. So good to be with you today. Isn't there just something about the saints gathering, coming together and worshiping? We know it's not something. We know it's someone, right? It's our Lord. He's here. So it makes this place special. I'm just happy to be here. For those of you who have not met, my name is Dan Vidlak. I'm one of the elders here, and I have the opportunity to bring the word to you today. And I want to start off this morning by asking you a question. A question. Question is Have you ever felt misunderstood? Like, no matter how hard you try or how pure your motives are, you just find yourself being misunderstood. People just don't get me. See all the kids looking at their parents, right? You don't get me. That's okay because all of us parents are like, You definitely don't get me. <laughs> yeah. See, being misunderstood can lead to frustration, bitterment. It also can lead to one of the worst things called apathy. You stop caring, you just check out. It also can lead to embarrassment. Take my friend Kathy White, for example. She was highly misunderstood. See, what Kathy White does for a living, among other things, is she's an AI tech, an artificial insemination tech for the local cattle industry. So what she does is she orders the best bull semen from around the nation. Usually they're short and muscular. (laughs) Like that. See, you guys participate. The nine o'clock's like, what? (laughs) Well, she orders all this bull semen and it comes in straws and she stores it in these big containers full of liquid nitrogen that keeps it frozen and preserved for when a cow comes into heat. And then you call Kathy and you say, Kathy, I have a cow that's in heat. Come out and get her pregnant. She comes out, does her thing. And nine months later, hopefully a healthy calf pops out and everybody's happy. That's what she does for lives. Very interesting profession, don't you think? Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, she had a conversation with what she thought was one of her bull semen suppliers. It went a little something like this. Yeah, Dwayne. Yeah. Uh, This is Kathy White. Okay. Um, Hey, I was wondering if it was a good time for me to come over and pick up your semen. Pick up what? Long pause. (laughs) Please tell me this is Dwayne Schultz. Please, please, please. No, (laughs) ma'am. Wrong number. Click. (laughs) Sorry to trouble you. (laughs) You see, (laughs) I think we've all felt the frustration and even the humiliation sometimes of being misunderstood, right? Right? We've all been misunderstood, and it can lead to some some bad things. And today, I guess I want to remind, maybe encourage, hopefully with most of you, just remind you of a few things, that there is one. There is one who perfectly gets you, who understands you. Our Lord Jesus Christ perfectly and divinely understands his children, amen? He gets us. That's our God. He understands us perfectly. Of course Jesus does, right? He's the Lord of all, right? Amen? There's no sin too big, right? No problem too small. No circumstance too unique that he doesn't get. He's the Lord. Amen? He gets us perfectly. And today, that I, want, I want to kind of encourage us with three points. It's really what is the foundation of his divine perfect understanding, It's dependent on three things that he's responsible for. But today I wanted to remind you that it's in regard to you personally. First, he knows you. If you want to perfectly and divinely understand something or someone, you have to know them. That's step number one. And we'll find out that he has a personal omniscience about himself. He knows you intimately. Point number two, we will see that he's experienced you course this happened when the word became flesh he shared our humanity right he did you he did humanity and then point number three is and it's definitely not the least is he loved you and we'll see that this love is the greatest we'll see that this love is the motivating factor for him to want to understand you it's his motive to his kids amen and i hope as we go through these simple three points That we not only can look up and say, he gets me. That's my goal. That no matter when people let you down, you can look up and say, he gets me in those three ways. But I also want to use it as a model on how to understand one another in our relationships. We got to know, we got to experience, and we have to love each other, amen? So that's where we're heading today. First point is that he knows you. Of course he does, right? He's God. He's an omniscient God. One of his seven perfect attributes is that he's omniscient, which means he knows all things, right? I like the way Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 46.10. says he knows the end from the beginning, and he declares ancient times to those things that are not yet done. Amen? What a way to know something, Right? Just like that, you can know the beginning from the end. He knows the succession of all events instantaneously and simultaneously. That's incredible. There's no sequence with the Lord. He just knows. Amen? That's incredible. And you're going to have to do a little better than that. Okay, I'm running out of energy up here. And it's dark and I can't see because I'm old So my notes. So we're just going to have to go free here, okay? That's an amen. Amen. Okay, (laughs) good. You guys are awesome. He just knows. Thus, the Lord's never learned, forgotten, or overlooked anything ever in all of eternity. Amen? That's awesome. Well, you say amen, but that was kind of a little sucker punch. I was setting you up because if you're like me, I have no problem with him being omniscient when it's pertaining to keeping this world in the right axis and spin and and everything aligned. I have no problem with him knowing all things and governments of the world. I have no problem attributing to him that he knows the leader's hearts and minds. He placed them there, and everything's working to his perfect end. Here's my problem, is that I have a hard time letting him be all-knowing in my day, in my little old life. See, I wanna learn him a few things (laughs) when it comes to my day. You ever been there? <laughs> I'm going to learn, God, a couple things. God, you forgot me down here. You see what my kids are doing? Have you seen my business? Have you seen this or have you seen that with my relationships? He's never learned, overlooked, or forgotten anything. I just have a hard time applying that to my life. And I know I'm not alone in here. Tell me there's someone else like me out there. All right. I'm talking to the right people. Listen, if you struggle with personal omniscience is what I call it. If you struggle with that, may I suggest a Psalm for you? It's Psalm 139. And if you read this every day, you would not struggle with it anymore. It's super encouraging. Psalm 139, I'll share a few verses. Psalm 139.1 says this. O oh Lord, you searched me and no me, emphasis me if he didn't hear it. Oh yeah, he knows about the world and he knows everything and everybody, but I'm included in the everything. That's a self-evident truth, but it's an encouraging truth that we need to remind ourselves of. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Do you wanna see how awesome he knows you? Let's keep going. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Evidently, the miracle of life. We saw baby Cole up here. The miracle of that life is a partnership between woman and God Almighty. Because it was God who formed his inward parts and covered him in Tara's womb. That's an intimate knowledge of you. It gets better. Verse 16: Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book were written all the days fashioned for me when there were none. That's a showstopper if you actually study that verse. You know the Hebrew word for substance there? You, your eyes saw my substance. You know what that word means? It means embryo. Fetus, blastocyte, whatever you want to name, you want to give it, it's the word we get an embryo. It said, the Lord saw my substance. He saw me before I was me and counted my days. Amen? Amen. That's an incredible personal knowledge, intimate knowledge. And if that was the only verse in the Bible and they were all left out and that's all I had, I could not subscribe to abortion. Because that said, there's a God that looked at me when I was a bunch of cells and said, I count your days. That's an intimate knowledge of his children, this God has. Listen, unlike hum- humans, God understands perfectly. We don't have that divine vantage point. We see in a glass half full, it's murky. We only see what people let us see, amen? We see their shtick, right? We see the charade they put on. That's all we get. We can't see to the heart like the, like the Lord does. We only can react on what we see. We're limited. One of the funny parts about working with kids is that they say funny things, right? And interesting things. And I was walking in school uh, over at Cascade. I saw these two people. They were just arguing. It was, like, it was like two girls like, you don't know me. You don't know me, right? Don't act like you know me. You don't know what I'm about, Right? You know that it was like a Jerry Springer show. I'm like, really? Of course she doesn't know you. You're acting like a jerk, right? We only see what you give me here. And you gotta give me more than that. I I can't see. We don't see that way. And I think if if we really think about it, we ought to try to see that way. You know, I was reminded of this with my I think my second year coaching over at Cascade Christian in the wrestling program there. We just started and there was a kid on that team was, well, I guess he was trouble with a capital T. He had some problems, poor perspectives, poor attitudes. He would be what most people would call, I guess, a punk, right? Yes, a Cascade Christian. They exist. And it all came to a head one day in the practice room. He was working out with a kid, a first-year wrestler. He was totally superior to to first-year wrestler, not very athletic at all. And he usually has his way with this kid, but he has a hard day. He couldn't score any points. And it just came to a head. He got so frustrated with that kid. He started, he just blew a gasket. And I was on the other end of the room, but a wrestling match turned into a UFC fight real quickly. And it started with vile words, words that I don't know have ever been said in Cascade Christian Wrestling Room before, ever. I'm pretty sure that if someone heard it, I'd be fired today, bad stuff. Bad stuff and then fists, and then boots, and then, right? I mean, it was full on, but by the time I got there and grabbed that kid and, and, and brought him in the locker room, that poor kid was crumpled in the corner. And I remember being just so mad at this kid. I was so infuriated, <laughs> mostly because this kid over here was his first year wrestling. I was trying to get him to stay out. I only had like four guys on my team. I'm like, that kid's never coming out tomorrow, I guarantee He was a homeschool kid. I'm sure he didn't even heard words like that guy was calling him. He probably didn't know what that man did. like, what? Kid's still not wrestling to this day. I grabbed that kid. I took him in the locker room. Man, I let him have it. For good reason, right? Up one side and down the other. Gave him the business. And I was ready for his return, right? What he normally fights back with. But instead of that, he melted. Just fell apart. I'll never forget it. That kid fell to pieces on a locker room bench and was weeping like a little girl because something was going on in his life that was real. And all I was seeing was the symptom of what was wrong with his heart. You see, he was broken inside because of what was going on in his life. And I guess that day as we cried together and prayed together on that bench, we came to an understanding. I got to know him a little better because he let me in for that one moment. That's the way the Lord always sees. I think that's why we're so frustrated with God and how he treats other people. Because what we see is the jerk. What he sees is a saint. Do you know that? We don't see perfectly. Unlike humans, God is keenly aware of the innermost workings of your heart. He doesn't see symptoms, he sees roots. That's how he sees and listen, if we want to get to the point in our lives where we want to appropriate God's perfect understanding in our lives, we want to know that he gets us, it's got to start with the fact that God intimately knows you personally and that he's always aware of your circumstances. Regardless, when we can digest that and say, yes, you know me, you formed my inward parts Nobody knows me like me, like you. You knew me better than I knew me before I was me. And because of that, you're aware of me and my circumstances. I don't have to teach you anything. You haven't forgotten anything. If we can get to that point, we're much more likely to try to get to know other people and understand their plight just a little bit more. Amen? So that's the first step of divine, perfect understanding is that you gotta know in Jesus Christ knows us. Amen. Point number two, don't fade off on me. I'm getting a little groggy up here and I swear to God, I can't see up here. It's dark. (laughs) So point number two is this. He experienced you. He experienced you. And what I know about this is it's impossible to perfectly understand someone if you've never walked a mile in their shoes if you've never experienced their circumstance, amen? It's impossible. You can't understand someone. I think that's why there's so much tension sometimes raising teenagers. I'll just use my personal experience here. There's a disconnect there, right? I mean, for my part, listen, it's been a long time, if you haven't noticed, looking at me since I've been a kid, right? It's been a long time. And I'll tell you, when I was a kid, it ain't like what it is now. This is a difficult time to be a teenager. It just is. The pitfalls, right? The hurdles, they have to... It's a crazy time and a very difficult time to be a teenager. It's hard. And the reality of it is, part of the reason I don't get my kids is it's been a long time since I experienced that, to be honest with you. And for their part hey, kids, give your parents a break. Have you ever been a parent? I'm waiting. See, I'm a little biased on this give and take here. They've never been a parent. They have no idea what it's like to try to make ends meet. They have no clue about what it takes to raise godly youngsters in this crooked and perverse generation, amen? They know nothing of that. There's this disconnect because we don't and haven't experienced each other, right? My older one pushes me all the time on this. It's like, and it always, the conversation always ends the same way. Listen, when you have kids, you're going to understand. For now, just do what I say, right? And just to jab them at the end, I'm like, and look me up when you have kids, because I want to see it. Because I want you to acknowledge how tough it is, Right? How oh, there's just this disconnect. And I don't know if you've looked at our Lord this way or that maybe you just need to be reminded. Jesus Christ experienced us. Do you know that? He came down to this dry and barren land and experienced every temptation, every high, every low that the human experience can offer. All of it. He wrapped it up and he went down here and he tasted it. That's an incredible God. I don't know if you've looked at God this way, but he's a blue collar God. He's not a God that keeps his knowledge locked in his head up in some ivory, untouchable tower. This isn't our God. Our God shows the grittiness of his crown as he wore it as a blue collar and came down here to this dry and barren land and suffered by our side, amen? Tasted it when the eternal son became obedient to the father, took that first giant step and humbled himself and came the likeness of man. Came as a humble servant. He robed his glory and his majesty in a lowly Nazarene. And we called him Jesus Christ, the God man. And if you study that guy's life, the God man, you'll find out that he most certainly in its entirety experienced the human experience. Amen says that he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. You feel tempted. I feel tempted. We all are tempted, right? This is a place of temptation, especially in America. Well, our Lord was tempted. Thanks to the Holy Spirit who brought him out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 straight days by Satan. Do you remember? It says there that he was tempted, but yet without sin. And I want to encourage you today, as we're tempted, two things can happen. One, we can take the Lord's way of escape and we can win, right? Or we can take our own way and fulfill our lusts and go ahead and bite on it and fail in sin. Amen? That process, James chapter 1 says, is not unique to us it's always been the same, the process of sin. Starts with a temptation. It goes into your mind and it forms a little less and it forms an idea that when you start entertaining it and making it your own, you're gonna take that step and it's gonna give birth to sin. That process in your mind, the Lord experienced, yet without sin. Same process. You're tempted? Jesus was tempted. In all ways, yet without sin. There's people here right now that feel rejected, abandoned. There's probably people here that have scars on that from years ago that are sitting right here. Well, our Lord was rejected. He was a rejected king. His own people rejected him. Amen? He had no honor in his own country. Remember what they put on his cross to mock him? King of the Jews. Let's kill him. Rejected. Hmm. suffering and sorrow. That's a real thing of the human experience, don't you think? Yeah, if you haven't experienced it now, it's coming to a theater near you. It's part of life, right? Sorrow and suffering. Well, our Lord suffered. He did. I like Isaiah's, the prophet Isaiah's nickname for our Lord. Remember what it was? The suffering servant, well acquainted with grief. That's our Lord. Pretty gritty, huh? That's our Lord. He definitely suffered. I like the account of the Garden of Gethsemane. There hours before he gave himself over to man to do with him what they wanted so he could get on his cross and be the satisfaction of the world's sin. There, as that loomed over him, he didn't pick the divine way the God-man did. He didn't rain down angels to save himself from that. He struggled with it. He wanted the father to let it go and maybe find another way. But in his humanity, he suffered. It said there that he was exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Sorrowful, crying as drops or sweating as drops of blood. That's some serious anguish and sorrow. Amen. Our Lord did that for you and for me. Surely God does not understand how I can't make ends meet. He can't understand how it is to be poor. Doesn't he own the cattle on a thousand hills? Well, yeah. But he decided to be a blue collar God and come down here and share poverty. Right? I love the young scribe who approached Jesus in the gospels and said, teacher, I wanna follow you. And, teach, and, and Jesus' response was, "Hey, wait, hang on, youngster. Be careful what you're asking for." He said, "Foxes have holes, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." Jesus was poor. He's the first homeless guy. Do you know that? <laughs> so when you can't make ends meet and you think somehow He's forgotten you, He knows how it is to be poor. And finally, I'll close with loneliness, because loneliness is a dandy. It's a torture device, this loneliness. And even people you wouldn't think would ever be lonely are lonely. And it's not just from losing loved ones and sleeping in a bed and looking over there and not seeing them anymore. That's loneliness. But it's also those people that have separated themselves and feel like they have nobody Human experience teaches us that we all can retreat into our our islands and be lonely and feel separated. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ knows how it is to be separated from someone. As he hung on his cross, amen, somewhere between heaven and hell with the world's sin on his shoulders. In that moment, remember that moment? When he had your sins and my sins, full of blood quite literally suffocating to death under the weight of it. He's trying to lift himself up to take another breath until he could do it no longer. And in that moment when all that sin was on him, he said some pretty interesting words to his father. He said, Father, Father, for why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all eternity, fellowship between the father and the son was broken. You think you miss your loved one? He had eternity to love his father. And it was broke just like that for us. Amen. He knows loneliness. You see, Jesus, the God man has shared all of the human experience, all the ups and downs that it can offer all the while showing you and I that he is a blue collar, tried and true God That should give us much more confidence, much more boldness to know that he has sympathy for us, that he gets us. We can then step out and come before him and get what we need to get through this lousy place. Amen? That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. The writer there talking about Jesus in the terms of a great high priest. He says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our needs in our weaknesses, yet in all ways he was tempted, yet without sin, says in verse 16, it's beautiful, approachable, sympathetic God. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and get grace in our time of need, amen? Our God has touched us and he knows what it's like to be a human. Do you understand me? It's not lost on him. If we want to appropriate God's perfect Understanding in our lives, we want to know that He gets us perfectly. We got to get to the point where we remind ourselves regularly that He experienced you and He experienced me and all those ups and downs that the human experience has to offer. Amen. My God experienced me. How about you? When that happens, something divine can happen in your heart, something special you can then be awakened to try to experience other people. You see? You can try to the best that you can to walk in their shoes. You can't always, and you can't with everybody. But I'll bet you each one of you have someone in mind right now that you need to have a little bit more perspective to with, that you need to understand a little greater by maybe going across the aisle and walking a mile in their shoes. Amen. Hey, the final one, and it's not the least. It's the greatest. (laughs) It's love. Not only does he know us, not only did he experience us, but he loved us. Yes, somewhere back in history, if you wanna know how God loved you, look at that cross, and he continues to be committed and invested in you, and he loves you today. And love's a gem. Here's why it's a gem in this context. it, It is the motivating factor that makes him want to understand you. Because here's the deal. You can know someone all, You can know someone intimately, and you can walk in their shoes till the shoes are wore out. But if you don't care to understand them, if you don't give a rip, you're never going to understand them. Amen? You got to want to. I was reminded of this 25 years ago or so in an airport in Moscow, Russia back when I used to be Dan Vidlack, the international wrestling guy. It's not me now. But I was sitting in this airport, fuming. I had just been there for two or three hours, sitting in a basement room of a hotel, I mean, of an airport, looking out right on the tarmac level, looking out, watching Plans Lane. See, we were waiting there to go to one of the toughest tournaments in the world. It's called the Euregan now. It's the Yvonne Euregan Wrestling Tournaments, the Grand Prix. Some people say it's the toughest tournament in the world, even the Olympics, because those Russians could enter as many Russians as they wanted in this tournament because it was their tournament. It's a tough tournament. So we had been acclimated in in Moscow, and now we're flying out to Siberia where this tournament was, and we're sitting in there for hours. See, we weren't up where you check baggage, check bags in, and you see like stewardess with like like suits and ties offering you something and taking tickets and bags. No, they, they just threw the Americans down in the basement on the tarmac and said, wait for a while. They were trying to get us. They always do. The second time I was there, they always try to work it. That's, that's the Russians for you. They, are, they're, they, yeah, they were getting us. They were trying to get in our head and crack us. Well, finally, the interpreter said, hey, the, the, the plane's here. Go out in mid-January in Moscow on the tarmac with your eight bags and throw them in the belly of this plane And then walk up and find a seat. Assigned seating? We're in Russia. Come on. Fend for yourself. So we did that. Take us two or three trips. Three weeks worth of bags and threw it in there. We all get on the plane. and It's about an hour wait on the plane. And and they had this saying when you were in Russia. It means a big problem. (laughs) So I'm saying a big problem. Well, what's the big problem? Turns out there's no fuel. So get back in your dungeon, go back to the room now. So we take all the bags and we my back. I mean, and then we're sitting there for hours. And I'm telling you, at that point, I was so physically cracked. I was down to weight. Weigh-ins were just a day later, totally dehydrated. All of us pretty much were. I was totally physically cracked. I was emotionally and psychologically done. I was literally sitting in this airport like this, staring straight ahead. And the only thing in this room, there were no chairs. We were just sleeping on bags, There was one desk with one lady in it, and there was a box on the wall. And I looked over at that box as I'm staring. Hey, what's that box? And my interpreter said, it's like a complaint box. It's like a suggestion box. (laughs) I'm like, awesome. There's a suggestion box. (laughs) Awesome. I went over to that lady and I said, give me a piece of paper. Man. You can imagine what I said on there as being, I was about 23 years old. I'm explanative, explanation point, underlining, highlighting, <laughs> <laughs> folded up and I'm heading for the, for the box. But the lady beat me to it. She jumped out of her chair, grabbed, grabbed the suggestion box off the wall and put her hand over it. <laughs> <laughs> nyet, yet, I'm like, but I want the paper in the thing. Nyet, 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 nyet. She didn't care. Now she was Russian, so she certainly knew what was going on. She knew, and being Russian, I'm sure she'd experienced some mistreatment. But she didn't care. She had no motive. She had no investment to want to care. You see, where she says "yet, yet, yet," that's what she said. Our Lord says "da, da, da." Yes, yes, yes. That's what the Lord says. He says yes. I am motivated through my great love to want to understand you. I love you. I'm invested in you. I have something at stake here. And if you wonder if God loves you, all you got to do is look back about 2,000 years ago and see a big cross. And when you look at it, you'll see something. It's empty. Because our Savior was put on it. He was buried and he rose again for you. That's love. If you want to know how God loves you, you look at the cross. That never changes, you see. That's what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son, you see. The other John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know God's love. How? That he would lay down his life for you and me. He's invested in you. Right? He loves you. And the good news today is it's his motive to always want to get you. That's incredible. I got to get an amen there. I was expecting more from that, just, just to be honest with you. Just a little more. Here's the good news. God's love always was. It is and always will be his motives towards his children. Did you know that? He loves us. And I don't know where you're at right now, but if you're in this little valley and all you can see is upward, I hope you point your head up. And I, you know what? I'm at a point in my life where I'll take what I can get. I don't care if you understand if he knows you. And I don't even care if you understand if he gets you because he's experienced you. But you better not ever forget that this one loves you. And there's a cross and it's empty to prove it. Amen? Amen? Yeah, he loves you. It's a game changer. If we want to experience God's perfect understanding in our lives, that divine understanding, we got to get to the fact that we realize that you personally, yes, the world, but you personally are the object of His love. He desires for and delights in the betterment of you over Himself. He showed that. He sacrificed for it. He loves you. You have to look at yourself as that object not generically the world, you gotta one-on-one look at our Lord and say, you know what? I am the apple of his eye, Zachariah would said. I'm the object of this great sacrifice, of this great motive, amen? It's awesome. Now listen, to close here, we talked about three facts that are dependent on God. They don't change, because he never changes, okay? But they're in regard to you, We got to take them personally. We got to take God's omniscient ways and make them ours. Psalm 139. We got to take and realize the fact He experienced us. He came down here, He came running for you, for me. That should make you smile. And we got to finally never forget that He loves us. Amen? Now, listen, one of my goals is that. With that information, you can ponder that and think that, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will get you to a point where that stuff makes sense, and that you can look up and go, you know what, he gets me. I don't need to be frustrated. I don't need to turn off. When people let me down, he gets me. But the second goal is that I want you to use that as a pattern, to try to get a better understanding of your neighbor. This is a very divisive time in our world, and I think if we just look at God's model, we might understand each other a little bit better. I'm convinced of it. And I know we can't be omniscient, but I'm telling you, God put someone in your life, and it's probably in your head right now, that you can get to know a little better, right? You can ask them how they're doing and really care the answer. You can probe, you can do the best you can with the skills God gave you, amen? And I also think that we have some people in our minds that we might be able to experience. We might wanna cross the aisle with someone and try to walk in their shoes. Not everybody, but the person that God put on your heart. It might change your perspective. And finally, can we just do the new commandment this week? They say Christianity is real simple, it boils down to love. Well, I think it's right. Can we just love? Can we desire for and delight in? The betterment of someone else over me. God's Spirit will help you with that. Amen. So, Father, we're so grateful uh, for your word. We're thankful for your perfect and divine understanding in our lives. So grateful for the people you brought here. I pray that we'd appropriate these things in our lives, and that we'd be better off for it, Father, but that it would bring you glory. So, be gloried and Uh, Glorified and honored uh, today in our lives as you are in heaven. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen.